0: I, I truly believe that we all have the power to overcome anything we can we want in our life. You know, we, I mean, I know that because I've been, you know, I've been, I've experienced all these. I've overdosed on heroin in Harlem. where They just usually throw you out the window. But you know, for some reason, I was revived. You know, and um, shot, stabbed, all these different horrible things that you could imagine in, in New York. And but, but carrying it all inside like that, you know, you don't, don't carry it and don't carry it. You know, put it down and you can, you can. Whatever you're holding inside, you know, you can, you can put it down and you can move forward with that, you know.
1: Welcome to Grace 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Ed Mellick, and I'll be joined tonight by my co-host, Sal Dietrich. Sal, what's shaking?
2: Ed, good to be here. January is National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month, and this year marks the 20th anniversary of the passage of the Trafficking Victims Protection Act of 2000, TPVA. And it may come to some surprise, but this area in Northern Virginia and in the Washington, D.C. area is one of the so-called national hotspots for human trafficking. Now we're joined tonight uh, by Barbara Amaya. She's been on the show uh, before. She's a well-known speaker um, in this area, an advocate and educator. And Barbara's story, we're honored to have her join us again tonight and share this. At the age of 12, Barbara Amaya ran away from her Fairfax home to escape abuse. A sex trafficking recruiter offered to help her but sold her to a New York-based trafficker not long after that, uh, right here in D.C. Barbara would spend the next 12 years being victimized by her trafficker and enslaved in a trauma bond uh, with the trafficker that eventually she was able to break. Barbara joins us tonight to share her story, how pervasive human trafficking is right here in Northern Virginia, and ways that you can join us to help combat Human Trafficking, especially here in January, uh, National Human Trafficking Month. Barbara, welcome back to Grace in 30.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to be back.
2: Uh, we love to see you again. And uh, t- for those who uh, may not uh, know your story, take a few minutes um, and tell us about your story being fr- here from Northern Virginia, trafficked here in D.C. Tell us a bit about um, your story. I loved your TED Talk. Thank you. And uh, tell us a bit about that.
0: Um, So you just mentioned, you know, January has been recognized as um, Human Trafficking Awareness Month. And I think that's fantastic. And um, I also think that we need to remember that every day people are trafficked uh, in this area and all over the United States and all over the world. But um, not only in January do we need to be aware of that. So that's important that that I talk about that. Um, And, yeah, so when I I try to uh, share my experiences with people, um, they often think I'm going to start talking about some far-off land um, when they hear the term human trafficking. But um, I'm originally from Fairfax. Somebody commented once um, at some point, um, oh, wow, this 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 young girl was from one of the highest cost-of-living areas in the United States. Um, but, you know, there's no stereotypical victims or traffickers. Um, it's about vulnerabilities being preyed upon. And so, I want to
2: talk about that. You You were then – you ended up in New York City – and ended up being trafficked there for about a decade before you broke free. Tell us about that part of your life and how you eventually uh, broke free from, from the bonds of human trafficking.
0: So I was, um, I, you know, as a child, I went through different things that no child ever should, and I, and I, and I ended up um, being very vulnerable. I was in foster care and all this stuff. And um, I ended up being um, targeted and uh, actually handed over to a trafficker from New York and um i was so young and you know time went on and i and i was still living i was surviving i wasn't gone from this earth yet but um you know every <laughs> traffickers um know how to exploit vulnerabilities and um everything that could happen to me in new york probably did happen not only at the hands of the trafficker but at the hands of people that think they're going to buy a person's body um when there's money involved they think they can do whatever they want so um, I was growing up, I was growing older and I was experiencing um all these different things in New York City, uh, under the control of this trafficker. Um he and he controlled many other people, young women, not only myself. Um as I was I was there I was um I was arrested many times. I was I was arrested even though I was actually the victim and I was taken to jail many times. I was in Rikers Island prison and um all these all these uh horrific things but I never, I couldn't break away from the trafficker because of that trauma bond that um, he had put into place.
2: What does that mean? mean, I've seen in your TED Talk, which, by the way, has over a million views at this point. (laughs) uh, It's it's an amazing six minutes. Um, Tell us what what you mean by the trauma bond that occurs there over time.
0: Right. You know, when I speak about that, um, yeah, I mean, I had to educate myself on these terms. You know, I never saw myself as a victim. Uh, and that's what makes uh, prosecuting these cases so difficult for prosecutors, because victims don't think they are victims. And that's what makes this crime so slick, because traffickers know that. <laughs> so anyway, um, you know, I had to research, you know, what happened to me? Why couldn't I just leave? People ask me that all the time. Um, How is that possible? Twelve years of your life, why did not you just get in the plane and leave? You know, and I... Um, I mean, I did one time, but he ended up bringing me back. I just um, the psychological—it's—it's it's like it's Stockholm syndrome. Those people in that bank long, long ago in Stockholm—you um, know—they were brutalized, and and you know the police rescued them, and they said, "Okay, let's testify, let's get these people in jail." And they said, "That's okay, it wasn't so bad," you yeah. know. Or or that wife, that wife that's beat up, and her sister goes, "Please, just leave him," and she goes, "You know." I'm fine. I'm I'm all right. I'm, he didn't he didn't push me down the stairs this time. So that trauma bond, there's four precursors in place: isolation, um, fear of death, you know, um, taking on the world view of the uh, of the of the predator or exploiter, and um, fear for one's life. Right. I think I mentioned that one. So he, traffickers know how to put this in place, and when that's in place, it's really hard to break away from that. You know, you're not sure what's going on there with that psychological game. Yeah, one of the things uh, uh, when
2: you in your TED Talk, you said that after you freed yourself from this, you actually went back to have your criminal record expunged. And I was just shocked when I thought about the fact that, yeah, as you say, they're arresting these young women and men and putting them in prison and making them prisoners, which sort of builds into this trauma bond. Tell us what it was like to... to uh, if you think that's one of the key is. issues that is keeping people actually trapped in this, is that we're making cr- criminals out of these folks.
0: You know, um, he told me in New York, you know, he said, you're probably going to be arrested at some point. And I just thought, okay, I, I, all right, whatever you say, I'm going to be arrested. And I was. And um, I was arrested many, many times and uh, even taken to, re- you know, I was saying I was 21 or whatever name I was, alias I was giving and, you know, programmed. And I use that word purposefully programmed to say these things and, um, that did play into his game, his uh, plan, his agenda, the trafficker's agenda, because he said, the police are going to treat you like a criminal, and they did. So there, you know, check, they proved him right. Um, and, I, and I was really programmed to hate law enforcement a lot, because they would arrest me. And I, I never saw myself as a victim, ever, never. I never thought I was a victim. You know? I thought it was all my idea. It's just um, incredible that, you know, I don't think I was a stupid child. I wasn't a dumb child. I was just vulnerable, very vulnerable. You know, I had earlier trauma, right?
1: Um, and, and, you know, what strikes me is you were 12 years old. I, I saw some of the pictures on the web of you, some you know, from your childhood, and I'm like, 12 years old? What do we know? And, and that was your life from that point on, is this is all you know. Right. And the other thing that struck me, I've been watching some programs on Jeffrey Epstein, <laughs> and you know, it seems like trafficking is not only people that are imprisoned like you were, they're people that they're cut, they're out and about, but they're psychologically trapped into something. And there's, it's a network there. There's the trafficker and all the enablers and the recruiters and the customers, and they're all, the drumbeat is, do this thing. Right. So to me, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, you were very, very young.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I know I, I was, and, and victims today are young, and that's no accident, that age, um, you know, that, that 12 to 14 ish kind of, you know, give or take years. Um, because if anybody remembers when they were in middle school at all, Remember how you felt when you woke up and you went, "Oh, I can't! I have I have a pimple on my head. I can't go to school. Everything's so dramatic. Everything's so important and so crucial, and everything. And you're just so vulnerable. And that plays right into it. You know, they they might as well have a degree in street psychology, which they kind of do.
2: Well, you bring up a good point. I mean, uh, here in Arlington, a uh, 2017 Arlington Public School Youth Risk Behavior Survey uh, showed uh, a clear rise in middle schoolers. Expressing a sense of hopelessness and even suicide, it was it was scary to read it. It's a well published document. What are some of the signs for friends, parents, others? What are some of the signs of that age of a potential human Mm -hmm. trafficking that we should all be on the lookout
0: for? And you know, today, um, unfortunately, uh, with obviously, you know, the the net. I mean, traffickers can be right in your living room. Um, You know, (laughs) instead of have to be approaching a child at a bus stop or you know, but they do wherever there's vulnerable children. But anyway, you know, if that child's online saying, you know, I hate my mother, she made me take out the trash, and somebody's like, tell me all about it, next thing you know, um, they're isolating. You know, there's there's signs that... Um, go into other areas but there there's no you know red letter t on the victims you know trafficking victim but but there are certain signs like isolating um you know uh, digital devices there's children being trafficked right now that live at home they're living yep. at home going to school coming home and they're being trafficked and they're not talking about that because once again they don't think they are a victim they thought it was all their idea then shame comes in and then they're never going to talk about it so isolating um just change major changes in behaviors you know um Maybe digital devices you didn't know they had um, amounts of cash, um, but I, I, I think behaviors too. Because when I was twelve, I, before I ended up in New York, when I was experiencing the trauma that I was, you know, I was I was walking in my sleep. I was uh, I wouldn't go to school anymore. I was isolating. There was clear signs that something was wrong with this child. You know, um, so if you feel that something's wrong, it probably is. Um, I wish there was one specific sign that say that's a trafficking victim, but I do think that. Um, you know any unexplained item you know you really have to pay attention you, you really have to pay attention to what's going on in this child in this child's life <laughs> if you're their parents especially you know it, um,
1: it's it's very tough because we had a young young boy come on the program who was bullied severely in a middle school uh, and he his, his mom just you know the, the kid learned how to push them off and and they, they saw dramatic changes in his mood and all but they just wouldn't say anything there you know this tension between teens or That's tweens right. and parents and and everyone's walking on eggshells, and yet the stakes are extremely high. You know, he he was at school getting his you know getting pounded, and and you were being trafficked, and you know all these different things happen. And people don't step forward and say something, and it's a. Uh, I don't know. I guess part of the advice you're saying is have courage as parents. Have, step up and
0: say something. Have a step up and say something, and um, you know that age once again—that's no accident. And traffickers have figured this out long, long ago. You know, that kid is, is doesn't want to talk to their parents. They're isolating from their parents. They don't—they think they don't want anything to do with their parents. So they're playing right into that mindset. You know, I remember when he drove me to New York. I remember that. I—I I don't remember everything sometimes because of my what I've been through, but I remember him saying. I remember, I remember him saying, well, just, I know, I know, I know what you've been, just tell me about, it. you know, positioning himself as my protector, mm-hmm. you know, which obviously he wasn't, you know, and he was putting that, that trauma bond I keep referring to in place because he, he was presi- positioning himself as my protector, but at the same time, he let me see, I had, he had a big glock right here, so I was like, terrified for my life at that point. Um, so he was playing into all of that, you know, um, and at that age, teenagers don't want to talk to their parents, you know, they don't.
1: You also mentioned, I mean, they, they use drugs, too. I mean, when did you start using heroin?
0: Yeah, it um, that was about, I was about 15, um, but I was about 15 or and that's 16. That's certainly another hook, and, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, they will use that uh, against the person that's addicted, you know, hold it over their head to give them more drugs or not give them more drugs or, or uh, whatever. But um, with that particular, with me, it was really difficult because I had to give him a certain amount of money and then I had to give drugs a certain amount of money and yeah it was it was, it was really brutal with we, that.
2: Well, these days you often are called upon to offer some training or to participate in programs on human trafficking. What are some of the um, the things you talk about when you go to a program, whether it's in a middle school or a community. What are a couple of the key points that that are hitting with you these days on human trafficking?
0: Um, I, yeah, I do. I have multiple different trainings. Um, I just spoke at the um, at- Attorney General's s- Summit and I, a couple weeks ago, and I was at um, New Jersey, I think last week it was, at um, a keynote at an event. Uh, uh, once again, an attorney general. Anyway, but um, I always talk about time a lot lately. Just I, I kind of try to um, listen to that inner voice and what I should talk about, if that makes any sense. But um, I think uh, nobody has time today. Time is, is really missing <laughs> nobody has time so for me when I was um, heavily addicted to heroin I, I I was probably five foot nine 99 pounds probably gonna die and I walked into this clinic and the person at the front desk it was she wasn't a doctor a therapist she wasn't she was just a receptionist but she gave me time and she made me feel like I mattered and she gave me eye contact and I really felt like she really cared I really felt it I did and the time that she took those minutes or whatever however long it was Propelled me out of New York City because she went on with that. And today, um, more than ever, we don't have time. You know, we're on multiple devices, everything's streaming everywhere, we're not paying attention. And um, we need to just do that. You know, we need to take time and, and watch what's happening around us a little bit better.
2: So it's just basically a, a, a genuine act of kindness kind of it helped you kind of break away. And that's probably, you said you've forgotten many things, but obviously that's pretty vivid in your memory. Just, just simple kindness. That yeah, really, I don't want to oversimplify. No, no, no. That, it but, was. Yeah. It
0: really, really was. I, I, I tend to oversimplify quite a bit. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, people, but, it's attentiveness. I guess that's the word. Just giving attention to people. We're, we're also wrapped up in our devices and our work and this and that and. You know, we keep talking and talking about it, but just a simple gesture like that, look what it did for your life, that one person, a little bit of time.
0: Yeah, just a little bit of time, and I felt, and I still feel it today, wash over me that I mattered, because I really didn't think that I mattered to anybody. I don't remember feeling like that. I don't remember feeling like that, and she she just, you know, she wasn't a therapist or anything. (laughs) She was the person that was supposed to check me in, but for whatever reason, that happened. Yeah, so...
1: So it's been a, a long journey since you got out of New York, and I'm, I'm sure it's been bumpy and there's been challenges. I mean, what have been the biggest problems? I mean, you've been, you, you've sort of kind of awakened to this really a crusade. You're really trying to, you know, champion the cause of, of anti-trafficking and saving young people's lives <laughs> and coming against this. It's, um, you know, tell us a little bit about that. Some of the highs or the lows, or it's, uh, <laughs> I know it's difficult to talk about, but.
0: No, it's. You know, I um, never planned on doing anything that I do now. (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't until 2012, prior to 2012, I can't say I liked the human race very much. You know, I was, um, I would walk my dog and I wouldn't even look at who was at the end of the other leash with the I was just in a dark, 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 dark place. And uh, one night I was, I had the news on in the background and they were talking about a case in 2012, traffickers near my home in Arlington. I was like, what trafficking? What what were they talking about? I didn't self-identify. I didn't think I was a mm. victim, and I and I turned it up, and they started talking about the recruitment techniques that these uh, traffickers were using. And I went, "What?" And I had a true epiphany, and I said, "That's what happened to me. That's what happened to me." And I just, within a week, I was on that same show on television, you know, news, whatever it was. And um, I just wanted to I had this vague idea at that point of trying to help young women like I had been, young girls, you know, trying to trying to help them somehow, and. And I really had to, I, I had to educate myself about human trafficking. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, it's kind of ironic to say it's kind of strange, but I did, you know, I, I, I had to um, really delve into it, you know, what, what, what is this in the United States, you know, what's up with this? Because people see, they see one thing, it's not what, it's not what it is, you know, um, at all.
2: Yeah. What's the reaction you've gotten from uh, this TED talk you've done? You've had, there's over uh-huh. a million people seen. So do people write to you or have you had any feedback, either at, at the event or afterwards, that uh, you'd like to share?
0: Yeah, I, I, I can't believe it's like um, one million, two thousand, I don't know how that happened. I can't figure out how that happened. <laughs> well, I, I mean, educators use it a lot. I know that. Um, and my book, Nobody's Girl. But they do use the um, book and the TED talk to educate people. Of, you know, it's a just quick synopsis of human trafficking in the United States. And sometimes when I'm really down, (laughs) frequently, I will read the comments on that uh, TED Talk because, you know, there's comments from yesterday. They're just really nice, uh, uplifting, uh, positive comments about what I'm trying to do.
1: Yeah, I was wondering if this is... Work you've been doing now for eight years is helping you come alive and heal. Yeah, finally, definitely. Yeah. I mean, what you've been through is staggering. <laughs> I, I, <I'm, laughs> where it really is. I, I mean, I know you're, you've you've got the benefit of you know, 20, 30 years past, but looking back on it, it's unbelievable. And
2: and what you're doing now is even more staggering. Yeah, I mean, it's I think amazing. This is, I mean, oh it's, it's, yeah, it's a you're making
0: story. my night here. But I, I don't. I just don't. I don't. Uh, I feel like I have a. a, 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 a um, uh, a journalist told me once, I, I was saying how terrified I am to go on stage and speak, and he said, oh, that means you have a true calling. And I went, okay, if you say so. <laughs> but I, g- I guess I do. <laughs> you know, Ever since 2012, it hasn't slowed me down, You know, so I'm just going to keep going. You know?
2: Well, you've written a, a graphic novel series called The Destiny of Zoe Carpenter. W- what are you trying to teach and offer people in, in that, what, about the character of Zoe Carpenter and, and what's going on there?
0: I was trying to reach that younger, you know, I was trying to reach children about human trafficking, and I'm never overly graphic in my writing. And people have said, "I'm so glad you edited out the profanity." I'm like, "Well, there wasn't any in there to begin with." But okay, thanks. So the um, the comic book series, um, the graphic novel series, it has it's a it's about a superhero, a middle aged school crime fighting superhero, Zoe Carpenter that discovers a magical medallion and her long line of. Crime-fighting superheroes and her sidekick Carl, who's a boy who morphs into dog form, and it's they have all these superpowers. But the first day of the first volume one is about middle school. The first day of middle school, and the teacher tells them, um, "You're all going to write a report about human trafficking." So there's on the blackboard illustrations in the in the the graphic novel. There's you know real facts about human trafficking, Mm -hmm. and it has an accompanying curriculum. So I was trying to get it into different school systems because. Virginia has mandated that they teach uh, about, you know, human trafficking in in the school system. So and then my memoir, too. Yeah.
2: You've battled uh, cancer. You've dealt with human trafficking. You've been addicted to heroin. What's a message to people who are suffering or just feel absolutely hopeless right now? I mean, to come.